Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is Thursday, July 15th. Today on the show, we have Amarika Olivo and Christian Campbell. It's an exciting one. Here you go. To announce that we have reached our 500th listen, which means that uh, the listens have basically skyrocketed since last uh, week, uh, where when we had um, Dr. Tom Messner on, who was uh, he's he's an advertising mogul and he is an incredibly hilarious guest. Uh, so if you haven't gotten a chance yet, go ahead and go to BlogTalkRadio.com/slash/BlazingRye and you can listen to that. That's the most recent episode before this one. Or go to um, uh, my Tumblr, ourhome.tumblr.com, and you can listen to the, all the episodes there. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it's doing really well. So let's uh, let's keep the listens up. All right. Let's see. Crazy things going on. Uh, mainly the big fiasco has been the LeBron, LeBron James thing, but uh, we actually have a caller, so this may be our first guest. One moment. You are on the air. Hey, Ryan. It's Amarika. Hey. Hey, Amarika. This is the lovely and talented Amarika Olivo. <laughs> That's quite a studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they come out and uh, they come out for me. Um, so how are you holding up in this heat? Oh, I'm at the gym camping out in the air conditioning. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's... Hot. I've been doing I the same thing. I've been going to the gym for the air conditioning, and then I sweat even more, so it defeats the purpose. I know. I know, but that's like wanted. It's a different kind of sweat. But, I, you know, <laughs> I lived here for four years and when I went to school in New York, and I never made it through a summer. I kept thinking I wouldn't go home to L.A. for the summer, and I'd get about, about this point into July, and I'd stick it out, and I'd run home because I can't handle the humidity. I'm a chicken. I hear you. No, it's been a nightmare. All right, let's get this out of the way first. How many people mispronounce your name on a daily basis? <laughs> um, it's bad. It's bad. And actually, um, recently I, I got married, and I changed my last name legally, although to my, my married name, which is Campbell, um, although my professional name in the arts is still Amarika Olivo, I was so excited to take a name that people would recognize um, you know, it's, it's finally for the first time. My first, middle, and last name are always just on that. And uh, huh. the first time I ever tried to use my, my married name, for the, it, it, when it came back to me, the whatever, it was like at Starbucks or, no, it wasn't. It was getting my hair cut or something, and they gave me the slip that said my name, and it said America Camel instead of Campbell. <laughs> and I was, yeah, I was so, just so disappointed. And I think it's just going to be my, my plight in life. <laughs> That's your cross to bear. No matter how simple your name gets, people keep mispronouncing it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I see that you just completed a movie called Conception. Is this in any way a ploy to counter the, the, the new uh, Leo DiCaprio movie, Inception? <laughs> no, that would be good, though. Um, I would love for people to watch it with that in mind. That would be really interesting. Um, no, it's <laughs> about conceiving children. So um, it's about... Uh, it's, it's, just a bunch of vignettes of different couples coming to the point of, you know, when they either conceive or decide to conceive or how they do or, uh, you know, a child. And it's, it's funny. It's romantic. It's funny. It's a little sad. It's sweet. Good cast. 
do you think it'll be uh do you think it's funnier than than Inception? I haven't seen Inception, but I don't is Inception supposed to be funny? <laughs> I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. It'll probably be funnier. Um you were in the movie Big Slap. What drew you to uh do that movie? Uh what drew me? Um I actually was on General Hospital for a while and I had um just been relieved of my duties as fired and um sitting at home looking for my next gig and I got a phone call. Usually you get, you know, your, your manager or your agents call you. I got a phone call from the director of the film. He's like, hey, I need you for a film and you did a film with uh, a movie with a friend of mine and uh, and I'm sitting here like, this is kind of too good to be true. I just got fired from a soap. I have no other job. I'm sitting around and I'm getting a call from the director and so I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, what is it? And he said, uh, it's, it's great, we're going to do this, this, you're the role of a lifetime, you're going to be doing all this, this stunts and action that you've never done before, you know, action I've never done, I'm like, cool. And, like, as it's playing out in my head, I'm like, so what do you want me to do? He's like, I just need you, we're starting to shoot, someone back out at the last minute, and I need you to come down to the valley and just, you know, read for us. And I'm like, okay, valley, action I've never done in a film before, the director's calling me, too good to be true. Uh, all of these things coming together. I asked him to email me the script it's called Bitch Slap, and I thought I was basically, I had my career kind of torn. I was certain that it was it was going to be a porn film, and uh, that was the big <laughs> joke. Apparently, all the all the, the leads in the, in the film felt the same way, and, and he had a hard time getting the script out there because people were stopped at the name. But it's uh, when I read it, he was he was absolutely right. It was a role of a lifetime for for me because usually. Uh, somebody with a really big headlining name would get something like this. It's just action-packed. I'm uh, doing so many, so many stunts. Um, Zoe Bell was our stunt coordinator who works a lot with Quentin Tarantino. She's been in a lot of his films, and um, she was just amazing. Had me doing things I, I seriously have never, never imagined I'd be capable of doing. A seven-minute girl-on-girl fight. It's a comedy. Uh, sorry if I didn't mention the comedy action. It's, it's paying homage, kind of. Uh, not in a spoofish way, in a loving homage way to the Russ Meyer, Faster Puss Cat Kill Kill type movies, Kill Billish. Sure. Um, and it it was so much fun to do, and I learned so much from the film. And now I'm going to be doing a Broadway show, and I just got into my fitting today. I don't even know if I'm allowed to oh. talk about it, but. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. Whatever. Is there anything it's, you can tell us? It's Spider Man, Julie Taymor and Bono's Spider Man on Broadway. And wow, that's amazing. Congratulations. Thanks. She does a lot of, like, all this, you know, puppetry, as you know, from Lion King and all this. And I, it didn't hit me until I went into my wardrobe fitting today, and he was like, well, on Monday you're going to get the practice costume because you have to maneuver it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And I'm going to be hanging from wires, maneuvering. It's this huge costume. And, and I... And all these things, you know, by doing bit slap or doing... Uh, I realized all these things led up to a point where... I'm now prepared to do this sort of thing. It doesn't scare me to be hung up, strung up on wires, flying around, and, and being really physical in the production. Right. So, I, you know, when, so the lesson to be learned is if there's a script called Bits that comes across your lap, oh, judge the book by the cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're living uh, many of my friends' dreams. Uh, you know, look, uh, looking up to. I have friends who still collect toys from uh, superhero movies and all that stuff. So that's pretty amazing that you got Spider-Man. Also, um, you uh, mentioned that you've been doing your own stunts. What's the toughest one you've ever done? Um, one that I, still bothers me. Um, I've got, done a lot of crazy ones, but then there's some that are just really simple. The ones that are the simplest, that seem they look the simplest, or, and, and guaranteed never to be used. If you do it in a film, it'll always be the part that's cut <laughs> because it was the hardest, uh. and you'll be like, so proud of it, and then they don't end up even using it. Um, it was probably for Friday the 13th, the last one that came out. I don't know if you saw it, but um, I had to fall from a sleeping bag that was a burning sleeping bag. Now, they didn't really set the bag on fire, but they did have fire around me, so they covered me in fire retardant, which lowers your body temperature to, you can go into hypothermia if you, if you are not careful. So I was really, like, shivering cold, and I didn't know that about fire retardant. And here we are in, like, Texas, in the middle of the woods, and I'm like, why am I in, in terrible heat? I'm like, why am I so cold? And I'm shivering, shivering, and there's fire all around me. And then the director 
Um, Marcus Misspell, he did the Texas Chainsaw, he did this one, he's an amazing director, he's doing the Conan coming out now. He's um, an amazing director, but he's, uh, he's known for just like kind of yelling a command at you and expecting you to be able to just pull it off without rehearsal or understanding. And I, and I do that if somebody tells me to do something and what they call a goer, I'll just fall and trust that they, you know, like, hey, jump now. I'll, I will. I'll jump. So <laughs> he's, say, he's like, okay. So, and he, like, puts me up on a, up like, you know, I'm at maybe four feet above ground or something. And he's like, okay, fall. And there's no mat or anything. And there's just the ground. And he needs to see me hit the ground with, like, dirt coming up. And it's hard. And he's like, and I'm supposed to be dead. And I'm all covered from head to toe, you know, burnt, um, you know, prosthetic type makeup, whatever. And hmm. um, and I have to keep my eyes open and exhale smoke and all this stuff. And I'm trying to like, gather all that in my head. I didn't even think to ask, like, for mats or if this was going to hurt. So I just did it. I kept doing it. And I remember this stunt guy, like, running up being like, do you want to, like, rehearse that or something? I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe you should give me a couple pointers. <laughs> He's like, this is going to get really hard in your back. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. And, of course, all the adrenaline of, like, hey, I'm doing this film and, and you know, Jason just killed me, and this is so cool, and I'm on fire, and I'm, I'm all the adrenaline's running through, you don't feel it, and I have the most insane, like, the left side of my body, or it's just never going to be the same. Oh, <laughs> my man. left body's, like, twisted from having fallen over and over and over again, and then you don't even see it in the film. You're watching it, you're like, um, really? Okay, uh-huh. that lasted maybe half of a second. <laughs> So that wow. that was actually probably the the worst one in retrospect, and I'm trying to get better about this now. And they actually asked me at the point, would, would I mind being set on fire? And I think I said yes, and somebody stepped in and said no for me. <laughs> I said I wouldn't mind, rather. I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, I trust you that you know what you're doing. You're not going to kill me or anything. Well, right. some people get killed all the wow. time. So if you're not really like a <laughs> certified stunt person, try not to do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it seems like you've been, that sounds absolutely crazy. It seems like you've been uh, in quite a bit of horror movies. Does that involve a lot of running and screaming? Yes, it does. And thankfully, <laughs> my degree is from Juilliard in opera. So right. I have really good lung capacity, and I can scream and scream and scream. And I've had to scream and scream and scream a lot. And even for later when they have something called ADR, which is where you go in after the film a shot and you cover all the, you go into like a recording studio and you re-record some lines that might not have been picked up on the mic, so, mm-hmm. you know, over, so when I was in there doing that for Friday 13th, so, and I had to do some screaming that they, they wanted to make sure it sounded, you know, terrifying, and so I did more screaming for them in the recording studio, and I remember them going, hey, that's pretty good, could you, could you scream over like the whole, like, there's not a couple other characters, and we, could you, could you scream here, could you scream, and I ended up screaming through the whole movie, I did like a bunch of different kinds of screams, so I'm like, now my my portfolio consists of can scream and many can when chilled in many different ways can appropriately deliver the appropriate scream. Do you put that in your resume? Can scream in many different ways? I I don't actually I I um I I I don't know what to put on my resume. My career has been so all over the place. My resume looks yeah like you're quite the puzzle. quite the renaissance. Woman, um, you mentioned Juilliard before. Are the teachers there as mean as they're depicted in the movies? Um, all the ones that didn't give me an A are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you want to name any of them? Put them on blast. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh no, I'm still scared. Of I'm still scared of the hard teachers. You will always be scared of your difficult teachers. Anybody, I think. Yeah. There's some recurring nightmare that you know you never passed that one class, but. But, you know, you end up, as hard as they were, and uh, even the meanest, the meanest of the teachers, and yes, they are hard on you. I actually, you know, 10 years later, thanks, because all the technique that they forced, I, I, there were times I'd walk into a room, and I was told that I didn't have the right attitude, and I had to leave, and not even, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't complete my class that day. And just by the way I walked into the room, so everything was being, you had to dress appropriately and be appropriate and just, you know, have the right attitude and constantly just, just really fighting everything that artists fight as far as, um, you know, bad habits. And it, it taught me some really good good work ethic and good habits that as hard as it was and really appreciative of. 
but I, I bitch about it yeah. all the time. I call, I call it the jail yard. So, um, you call it what? Loving, the jail yard is my loving nickname. <laughs> Um, so does doing, does doing all these horror movies make you more terrified in your everyday life? Um, uh, that's a good question. After Friday the 13th, and I used to be a big horror fan when I was younger, um, and I know Derek Mears, who plays Jason, really well. He's the sweetest guy. He's the funniest guy ever. He's so hilarious. And he'd, like, <laughs> we'd have lunch in the day, daytime and, and laughing, laughing, laughing. And then the minute, like, the mask is on and you're – you're in the midst of this um, scene and doing this film, something does resonate. There is a normal human terror to this, and I was actually really scared in the film. And I, and it got to the point where I had this reoccurring nightmare after I, I finished shooting. I came back to LA from from Texas, and I had this reoccurring nightmare that that Derek was chopping my or Jason was chopping my arm off slowly. And I kept asking him not to, and he was very politely just saying, I, I'm sorry, but I, I have to. And he was just chopping away at it. And the nightmare went away about two weeks after the shooting, and they called me and they flew me back out there for reshoots. And I <laughs> all started back up again. So uh, <laughs> there is something that it does to you. But, and, and there, but if, if something is so over the top, it doesn't resonate quite as much, I I can watch over-the-top um, gore all day and all night um, and not really feel that affected. It's when it's based on a true story that I absolutely, I, I, you know, it's like I couldn't watch Schindler's List or something. That scares the crap out of me. That is a right. terrifying film, you know, and fantastic but terrifying. Yeah. And, you know, um, so, so over-the-top, like whatever. Right, right. Uh, a lot of girls in horror movies are called uh, Scream Queens. Do you like that title? Because when my friends call me a Scream Queen for entirely different reasons, it really pissed me off. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it, actually. No, I'm going to say oh. because more of my career has been being a strong character than a, a victimized character. So mm-hmm. just because you do, you know, one or two films where you're, where you're this one screaming and being killed, maybe I've done three. Um, but anyway, I've done more that outnumbers that I actually had, where I've, you know, done the killing. And, um, and, and, and why that would make me proud, I have no idea. Um, no, it just makes me feel a bit like, oh, as, a, as an actor, I wouldn't be strong enough to play the other roles. And so mm-hmm. to be just a scream queen, I, I wish there were terms to be the opposite of like, what are you when you're the female killer all the time? I mean, femme fatale, fine, but not femme fatale. I, I, let's go with that. Let's change, let's change my whole, my whole uh, image up to being just femme fatale and, and no longer scream queen. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, uh, last horror movie question. What's your kill count? Uh, how many have I killed? Yeah. And, oh, good question. Oh, gosh, and spit slap. I don't know. I have, have to count. I think it took. I think it took maybe four, five down, and four down in bit slap. I think I took uh, maybe nine down in, in Neighbor, which is a film I did with my husband. Mm-hmm. I might not know more. Maybe ten. I took a few down in the first film I did, the third. Um. Uh, you know, I'm I'm probably under I'm probably around the twenty mark, twenty twenty five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay, so as you just mentioned, your husband, our next guest happens to be your husband. Um, what can you tell us about the movie you have coming out with him? Um, it's really it's not for the weak um, stomach. It's it's going to be one where where people are going to lose their lunch over. Um, mm-hmm. It's very, very, very bloody, and it's just over-the-top bloody. So for people who feel like horror films get to, you know, PG-13, they're going to like this. It's, it's, it's like Misery, where Christian plays the James Bond, I play the Kathy Bates character, that, but absolutely gory, 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 horrifically blood, horrific bloodshed. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's, 
it's fun because it's a it's a tone that neither one of us had done before. It's not spoof again. Like it's not it's not spoof, mm-hmm. but it is way over way out of this world. And I I tend to find characters and and um, projects that allow me to you know see from a completely different reality. And and that's what this is. It's it's over the top. It's, wow. it's big big stuff. Sounds crazy. What um, you have another uh, thriller coming out, also Circle. What can you tell us about that? Um, yeah. Well, um, yeah. My character isn't isn't so um so strong in that. Let's just say. Okay. <laughs> that one's gonna be that one's gonna be fun. It's a thriller more than a, a horror flick, and it's it's you know one of those those uh. You know, this, you're piecing things together as it goes along, and it's and it's unraveling different details, and, and there's a lot of uh, good good surprises. So that's, that's a fun one to watch. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so speaking of movies, you've been part of uh, some huge blockbusters. In Iron Man 2, you're credited as uh, Dubai Beauty number one. <laughs> Do you consider yourself the number one Dubai Beauty? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I don't even know why I was supposed to be from Dubai. I remember getting on set with accents and, and they were like, no, well, John Favreau was like, no, I mean, you can do whatever. I'm like, am I supposed to be from Dubai? He's like, sure. And he was really relaxed about it because it was, it, it was set in Dubai and um, mm-hmm. it was going to be the original. It's all in the deleted scenes. It didn't end up making it. Um, it was the, it was at the moment when he was looking for um, a, a, a way to try out his suit for the first time, and the original way that they had it, they froze a big party in Dubai, and they green-screened this beautiful place up in the Hollywood Hills and made it look like Dubai, and um, it was it was a fun set. It was, you know, my scenes were with Gwyneth Paltrow and Robert Downey, and, and um, Gwyneth Paltrow brought her husband on set that day, Chris Martin, and his friend Simon Pegg, they were there, and I remember just being like... Sure. It's so cool. It was one of my first films. I remember hanging out and and uh, felt like you know top of the world. Like just couldn't get any better. I'm like among people I love and respect. And, and, and this yeah, that's film, amazing. Was it? Like walked up to me and he's like, "Hi, Marika. Thank you so much for for being a part of this." I'm like, "Okay, thanks. <laughs> no problem. Anytime. <laughs> I'm always there for you, bud." And uh, <laughs> that's amazing. Did you um have as uh as exciting an experience doing Transformers? Uh, Transformers, it was it was a different experience. It was exciting too, just because um, I had done Friday Thirteenth. Michael Bay produced that, and I was passing through Philadelphia, and I actually went to the kickoff party. and was hanging out with Michael, and um, he's like, you know, uh, you're here. Why don't we throw you in? It'd be fun to. He likes to, you know, it, it throw kind of like a cameo and to, to pay homage to another project of his. And he thought it would just be like, yeah, let's throw you in tomorrow. You know, like come. I got a fitting the next day, and like I think the next day I showed up and set. And he just had me improv with Shia. But, um, but yeah, I remember being, like, watching that production happen and how that has to get put together for the special effects and being in person to see, you know, I, I love seeing things blow up. Um, and in person, it's amazing. It's just a lovely joy. Um, but also just to see how they film to later, you know, piece together where they're going to put the, the Transformers. And it was so it was quite the experience, and it, it's quite the task and, and undertaking. I, I was so impressed. I stayed on set for about 10 days just watching it and studying it as, as like, in, in awe of these of people who do these large special effects type films and everybody that's a part of it. It's just huge and fun and really interesting. If you ever get a chance to get on those kind of sets, so, so cool. Wow. So while we're on the topic of Transformers, on the bottom left corner of your Playboy cover, the magazine promotes a Shia LaBeouf interview in hot neon yellow type. Why do you think Shia tried to upstage your Playboy cover debut like that? <laughs> I never really, I never thought of that before. Um, <laughs> was, did, did he, does he think he was on the cover of Playboy, do you think? <laughs> he might. He might. I mean, it's big neon yellow type. Whose cover is it? You know, next time I run into it, we're gonna have to talk about that. Um, I, I, yeah, it's nothing to do with him, clearly. But um, that was a fun, <laughs> was a, it was a fun shoot. I think it's the neon just because of the vibe of 
of uh, what they were going for, that retro fun. Um, Terry Richardson was a photographer, and he's amazing and raw and this Americana retro style. And the whole cover, when I actually saw it, they, they sent it to me first before they released it. Um, and I, I looked at it, and it, and it, because it's cut out in this retro, you know, neon whatever style, it looked like something that you do at one of those amusement parks where you superimpose your picture onto a, a front of a magazine. Have you ever done that? Or your mom will do it for you and be like, look, you're on the cover sure. of life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, it sort of is so surreal that I would be on the cover of such a, you know, legendary, you know, magazine. It seems surreal to me that it, it, like, it took me a minute to grasp the idea that my mom had not put me on the cover of, well, I doubt she would on Playboy, but that somebody hadn't done this as a joke. I mean, like, somebody didn't send it to me. It looked like a joke to me. I'm like, is that really? Am I, really? Somebody, they <laughs> really put me on the cover of, really? <laughs> Wow, well, getting okay. the cover is a huge accomplishment. How excited were you when you found out? I, you know, again, it's like one of those things doesn't hit you. You just like I was hanging out with Kristen, my husband. We were just newly engaged, and my publicist called and said, um, because it was right after Friday Thirteenth, and I had done something else, like a little one pager um, that was like about an up and coming um, actress. It wasn't right. a big like nude thing or anything. It was kind of a sexy picture, and um, I did that. They called me back because they wanted to see if I would do another, you know, more pages or something before Bitch Slap and right after Friday 13th. And I felt really like, you know what, I've done Playboy. I did that one little page. I'm good. And then I jokingly said to my publicist, I'm like, well, you know, unless they gave me the cover or something. <laughs> and then I slapped it off. Well, she took it seriously. And she called and she counteroffered with, um, sure, she'd love to. You have to give her the cover. And they said, Okay. <laughs> So I got the call wow. back in a very nonchalant way of like, okay, yeah, they're going to do that. They're going to give you cover. <laughs> uh, uh, honey, uh, we have to talk. <laughs> Are you okay with? And he's like, um, yeah, I think that'll be that'll be okay with me. He can forever say he married a Playboy cover girl. So he's, he's and right. you had a fun shoot. I did. Um, it was I. I didn't know what to expect. I thought that I might be really nervous. I had totally underprepared. Usually, I would imagine I would have taken the time to tan and then get my hair cut and colored or something before you have a big shoot like this. I did nothing. It was absolutely, it was, I, I just, I felt kind of guilty showing up and just being like, they had to cut my hair there, they had to paint my nails there, they, like, I not even a manicure. But it was really cool because I came in with, such, with no expectations, sort of blank canvas, and I really got to experience what Harry, the photographer, sort of felt like I was just really embraced by his energy and what he wanted to express and what he wanted to pull out of me. And it, and it, and it happened. I was totally comfortable. I didn't know what was going to happen when I took my clothes off. I was like, is this going to, am I going to freak out? I don't know. I was totally comfortable. And, and he, like, this sounds kind of funny, but um, when I walked in, one of the very first things I saw was a hula hoop and a trampoline. And within about 30 minutes, I was naked jumping on a trampoline. And <laughs> an hour later, I was hula hooping, and uh, then I was hitting a pinata, and I was doing the craziest things, and, and water balloons, and it was like a circus, a carnival. People were just laughing. Everybody was having a good time, and we were, it, it was so, the way that he got me to feel comfortable about my body and myself and to feel relaxed was clever. And I, I loved the thoughts. When I looked at them, I thought they were very... They're not like posed. I thought it was going to be more like laying on a chaise with a soft light on me and a come hither look. But it was really cool because it was energetic and crazy. And, and I, I like to think that my pictures are more like like a reach out and grab you and pull you in the picture rather than a, rather than a you know, come hither kind of attitude. I like the energy that right. he, he got out of me. But he captured Wow, that's cool. amazing. Um, want to touch on your music career. Uh, your single, Deja Vu, has heated up the Billboard dance chart. How's, how's, the, how's the music thing going? Oh, great. Um, the song Deja Vu, yeah, um, it's gone around domestically. We're getting ready to release it overseas. So I'm excited to see if the, if the Europeans like it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And uh, we've got another uh, a, whole, a whole bunch of songs, a whole album coming out. Um, my husband helping me produce it. He actually introduced me to some friends of his in Canada, Stereo Martini is their name. 
and they're just absolutely amazing. So much talent up there. Um, and they, uh, they're, you know, just actually breaking out into the U.S. market, too, so this became a really cool partnership. And we've been knocking song after song out. I really put my whole music career on hold after I had a band for, for many years with DreamWorks and DreamWorks Records folded. And uh, I was sort of devastated that you know, my, my record deal, my music career tanked and I gave up music and went into acting. And, and this has been my first kind of pull back to it. And it's been so beautiful and wonderful. And the music industry is just as settled. It's completely changed. It isn't what it was. And for, that's a good thing and a bad thing. I, both ways, but it is it is now with digital recording and everything a, a medium that you can really do on your own, and artists can really just be artists in a, in a garage, get really great quality in a small studio, home studio, garage studio, whatever, and release it on mm -hmm. their own. And you know, it, which was what we did. We did it under Universal, but it's it's a independent label. It's pretty much just us and Jason Dahlman, um, my my partner in this, and uh, and we just you know, released on the internet, and then Club picked it up, and he had the relationship with a lot of DJs, and DJs picked it up, and it started to climb, and it actually felt really rewarding, because it's like, I don't have the money behind me, I'm not trying to do the big, you know, Gaga thing, but I'm watching my work get out there, and people are liking it, and playing it, and it, it feels like really, like, it, it's a, it feels like a really fun, fun comeback for me, in, in a very small, small, understated way. It's, Awesome. And your previous work was with the band Saluna, correct? Saluna. It was a Spanish-English. What does that mean? Does that have something to do with the sun? Sun and moon. Sol, luna. Um, and it also means ah. solona, solona, rather. Um, one voice. Uh, like when we sing together, we have one voice. There's a couple meanings. We started making up meanings as we went along. We got more <laughs> of the original meaning. <laughs> and you were on Soul Train? Um, How was that? That must have been fun.
And actually, people, though, I looked on the blog just out of curiosity and, you know, depressed. At my day I was fired was the day that my first episode was in the air. And everybody liked it. They wrote, like, really great things. Like, oh, she's really funny and great. Oh, what an interesting, different, different character. Nobody was hating. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, you know, I actually met Rick Hurston when I used to live in L.A., and he uh, it was right before I moved to New York, and I was telling him how I couldn't, I couldn't take being in L.A. anymore, and, and he, he was, like, really sweet about it, and, and he said that, you know, he would be in New York, but his work is in L.A., and so he was, like, the nicest guy and made me feel better about my decision to, to leave and come to New York. He was so nice, nice too. When, when, yeah, when I when I ended up getting replaced, he sent like called me. He's like, I'm so sorry, and like I thought it was great, and I thought we were doing really well, and it was really great job. Really but anyway, so so nice. All right, Amarika, thank you so much for calling in. I really appreciate it, and we'll play uh, Deja Vu before the show is up. Sweet. All right, thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Okay, yeah. bye. And we have Christian Campbell with us now. Yeah, you do. My uh, conversation with my wife. <laughs> yeah, uh, you guys just happened to be on the same day. Did you know that was going to happen? I did, actually. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we talk to each other every once in a while. So, yeah. <laughs> we figured that out. Um, so, <laughs> I hear you're on a break from rehearsal. Can you tell us what you're rehearsing for? Yeah, actually, it's a um, it's going to be a reading of a musical that's in development. It's a musical written by um, by Lance Horn, and uh, it's well, going to be at the Public Theater here in New York. Uh, we're actually doing a reading of it at Joe's Pub tomorrow night at seven o'clock. Anyone's welcome to come on down. It's at seven p.m. Tickets are ten bucks, I think, at the door. And uh, you know, Lance Horn is one of the brilliant upcoming uh, writers, I think, of our generation uh, in terms of musical mm-hmm. theater in New York. So. Uh, it's just a pleasure to work with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm working on. That's called Amandine. A M A N D I N E. In case anyone's looking for Amandine. Amandine. Amandine, as in trout Amandine, but just Amandine. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so, sir, you come from a, an acting family. I understand your uh, your dad teaches it in, in Canada. Is that what you, got you started in the in the business? Yeah, yeah. It's sort of a combination between my father, my mother, and even my grandparents were actors back in Holland um, before, during, and after the war. And uh, and uh, yeah, I sort of you know was thrown up on stage at a pretty young, early age because whenever my dad was directing any sort of community theater projects, or even if you had high school productions, he would uh, if there were any roles that required young children, uh, he would throw my sister and I up on the stage. So that was, uh, that was our start. Yeah. There you go. Are you excited yeah. to, uh, see your sister Nev in, uh, Scream 4? Oh uh, yeah, of course. Of course. It's, uh, <laughs> it's about, about time we picked up on that trilogy again, you know? So I was going to say yeah. that it's about time. We need another Scream movie. Yeah, um, you know, the, the horror movies come every 10 years, so we're, we're pretty much right on track. We need another, I know what you did last summer as well while, while we're at it. Yeah, yeah, um, did, or maybe not. <laughs> Depends on how you look at it. <laughs> yeah, you're right, maybe not. You, you make a good point. So you're actually Canadian-born. Was this a problem when you decided to marry a woman whose name is spelled America? Uh, you know, no, no, not a problem at all. Was it really a problem? You know, it's a little funny that my name is Christian. So we became the uh, Republican wet dream, you know, combined together <laughs> with Christian America. You know, Sarah Palin, I'm sure, is going to be calling us any day now to see if we'd like to, you know, stump for her. But uh, right. beyond that, no, I had no problems. I just thought it was kind of funny. And, you know, Emerica, as a full-blown Canadian, just had her first Canada Day up in uh, up in Toronto this year. So that was good fun. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> uh, can you tell us about your upcoming movie, East Fifth Bliss? Yeah, it's... Um, it's a, a movie uh, directed by my, directed and actually adapted to the screen by um, Michael Knowles, and he is a director that I've worked with once before on a movie called One Night, uh, a number of years back. Um, he got himself a nice cast. He assembled it. I mean, he wrote a great script, lovely adaptation. Michael C. Hall uh, came aboard to uh, do the leading role in that. Uh, also, Lucy Liu and Peter Fonda. So, uh, really lovely cast. Um, Shoot, no, the entire thing shot in the East Village. Um, 
and uh, it will be coming out. I'm not sure. It's really difficult to say with independent movies. He'll probably mm-hmm. have a rough edit on it by the end of this summer, and then it'll just be a matter of uh, when we're going to see some distribution on it. But uh, yeah, it's just really good. It's just it's it's full of wonderful characters, um, and it's just a love song to New York. Uh, I'm a, you know so yeah, I, I've signed on board right away because I'm a I'm a big lover of New York myself. As am I. That must have been a lot of fun shooting in the uh, the East Village. Yeah, it was actually. I mean, the East Village has been sort of my stomping ground now. Anytime I've lived in New York, except for once, I've always I've, I think I've had five apartments now in the East Village. Uh, there's only wow. one other area I've ever lived in, and that's the Upper West Side, and that was only for a year. But yeah, it just it's it's kind of my groovy vibe, and I, I just really enjoy it down there. It's my neighborhood, and so yeah, it's kind of fun to be shooting down there. Definitely. Going back to your uh, past projects, people still talk a lot about your uh, about Trick and your role Gabriel in it. What does what does this movie and that role mean to you? Looking back on it now, uh, you know, uh, as an actor, you hope that should you come to the end of your career or the end of your life, for that matter, um, and you look back, you hope that maybe you did at least one project that maybe had uh, a deep or profound effect on society or even a small part of society or even maybe a selection of individuals. And I, I really think that I was lucky and blessed to have been part of that film because I think it's um, it's got a lot of lasting power. It uh, affected a lot of people. I think it changed a lot of people's lives. Um, I'm, I'm To this day, I'm continuously stopped and, and uh, people just want to express how they remember the day that they saw that movie and what it meant to them, particularly people who are, are coming out of the, were coming out of the closet at the time or were just discovering their sexuality at the time and they may have been living in the Midwest or for as far flung I've gotten letters from deepest, darkest Russia where people have said, you know, they were going to end their life and had it not been for this movie, they just felt like they were always going to be ostracized from society. So in that sense, uh, it's had a, it's been great to have done that movie. It's, I feel very lucky. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I've I've always uh, thought that. Um, I lived in L.A. for a while, and there's a lot of uh, actors out there who, uh, well, who, who they've never trained or they consider themselves actors, but they're just tended to be famous. But I've always considered that uh, the purpose of acting is to make people's lives a little bit better, change people's lives. So I, I, I guess that's what you accomplish with that movie. There's really no better feeling as an actor, yeah. is there? Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's the be- it's the best feeling. I mean, it's and it and it grows over time too. When you do a movie uh, like that, or you do any movie, there's always the buzz when it first comes out, and there's the and and then and slowly, uh, movies are forgotten, projects are forgotten that you might do, but this one just uh, it's never been forgotten. It uh, continuously is uh, is being bought or rented or watched by people or it's continued to be in their memory. So, yeah, it's, I'm, like I said, I feel very blessed, very blessed to be part of that. It's uh, probably one of my prouder works. Yeah, that's really great. Um, yeah. You once, uh, you were in Reaper Madness, the musical. Um, you yeah. did the, uh, what, what was that like? It was great. I mean, that's actually, a, that's another movie that I feel very pl- proud of. Um, I think it had a little bit of an effect on people too. Uh, it was it was good. It, 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 that was even a deeper creative experience in that I developed that. I was right from the get-go, from the ground floor of that production um, as we turned it into a little play in Los Angeles that played in a small 100-seat theater at the Hudson for a year and none of us made money and the thing was running at a loss, but we all knew that we were part of something big and and or something that was going to have a life uh, beyond the, you know, our little humble beginning, and uh, and then you know then I went to New York, had a had a short run but a good run there, and of course then now it turned into a movie by Showtime and uh, continues to again affect and and make people happy and all that stuff. So yeah, it was, it was that, that was a great experience. It was a, a real family affair. I've, um, they are a, a group of people, the director, Andy Sickman, the writers, uh, Kevin Murphy, Dan Stubbing. These are all people that are going to be part of my life. Uh, I think all of us are all going to be part of one of the lives. It was just it's a little, it was a little show that could, you know? So, right, right. That's great. Uh, you've been on several primetime dramas, but you've also been on uh, All My Children. Is the, is the soap uh, experience a lot more intense because of how fast you have to memorize lines and all that stuff than it is, say, for a weekly show? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have to admit that I wasn't really fond of the whole process. I'm, I tend to be um, a rehearsal-oriented actor. Uh, I'm not good at memorizing my lines that quickly. Uh, but you know, it was. I, I would have to say that when I went in there, I had a, a, a newfound, ex, you know, respect for anyone who um, can pull off and uh, and do something even somewhat. Uh, good when it comes to the, the soap opera experience because there's just there's very little rehearsal. Um, you're often dealing with very stilted uh, expositional dialogue, and any actor who can sort of breathe life into it and uh, and just sort of get it off the ground with as little rehearsal or no rehearsal at all, I think just really needs to be applauded. And so uh, that was a really that was a great experience. In the end, as much as I was miserable during it, it was a, a wonderful learning experience. It was uh, it was like kind of going to school. In a, for a different kind of format, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Amarika and I were just talking about uh, General Hospital and uh, James Franco has been on it lately. And um, he, I think I read something or saw something where he said that uh, he feels like he got this huge movie role that he's about to do because of General Hospital, because it allowed him to, like, uh, he knew how to memorize his lines really quickly so that when he went in for the callback that uh, he was, like, on point. So, yeah. interesting. yeah. Exactly. It's a really good uh, memory trainer. Uh, yeah, it just sort of yeah, it gets the muscle, the brain muscle in, in gear, and uh, you, you learn to make strong choices very quickly, and that's right. often something that's really necessary for the audition process. So yeah, no, I, absolutely, I totally agree. And plus, you know, by just putting himself back in the you know in headlines uh, as much as he, I mean, he's always been in the headlines, but I think it's a uh, when, once you start doing soaps, you also create an entire demographic that can be taken advantage of by anyone who's producing a movie. You know, suddenly they know they have a built-in audience right there. So yeah, yeah smart, really smart move. Yeah. Do, you, do you um do you have any preference between working on television or in film or or on stage? What's your favorite? Um, you know what? I like the paychecks in television. <laughs> mm -hmm. I like the uh, I like the the methodical experience of doing films particularly independent films, and, uh, and then for theater, I just love the rehearsal process. I, uh, I really enjoy that, and then just um, learning to keep things fresh every night uh, during the performance process is, is always a pleasure. So you know, each one has its advantages. You know, I, I would say that I tend to be a person who doesn't like to sit around if I'm working or if I'm on the clock. I like to be active and uh, so I often find that television and film get me sort of a little bored and restless on set uh, as I kind of I just I feel guilty <laughs> I don't, I'm not even Catholic and I feel guilty uh, about sitting around <laughs> and not doing anything while I wait for a crew to set up and I've never been able to shake that feeling even though I've been doing this for 20 years you know so yeah it's all right mm -hmm. I hear you um, so you were uh, once on the old Degrassi high how do you feel about how do you feel about an actor on the new Degrassi being the hottest name in hip hop right now? Yeah, I know. What's his name? Um, I, Drake. I don't even know. What, yeah. Drake. Drake. That's it. Yeah, I know. It's a uh, pretty cool, huh? What a thunk. Nice little Canadian yeah, exactly. kid makes good and, uh, and makes or makes bad, whichever way you want to look at it. You know, or however you want to use that word. Um, uh, yeah. Do you, no, it's, you have really any? Cool. Yeah. What was that experience like? Doing Degrassi, ah, oh, come on, I was 16 years old, I was, you know, got to be on a TV show, even though we only made $100 a day doing that, we didn't have it, we weren't part of a union, so they, it was child labor, basically, doing Degrassi, a lot of people don't know this, but that show was, uh, <laughs> it was veritable child labor, all of us <laughs> made very little money doing it, uh, we were completely uh, angered the unions up in Canada, because Degrassi, because of its power, knew that they didn't have to sign on to the unions, and so uh, we all, but we were completely happy because we just, uh, it was like going to school but not having to, because Degrassi was shot in its own empty, it was an empty sort of abandoned school in uh, in the eastern part of uh, Toronto, and we went there every day and sat around in the, in the courtyard and secretly drank, you know, I don't know, peach schnapps, whatever the hell we did, and would shoot and just, you know, party and be teenagers and not have to go to school. It was awesome. It was great. I'm sure it really, you know, impeded my, you know, my, my, my grades, but hell, 
<laughs> I was drinking by the age of 14. It was fantastic. <laughs> were people uh, inebriated while they were filming? I would say a number of times we were inebriated, and uh, some of us got caught and some of us did not. Oh, yeah, yeah, but it was good times. There was a lot of partying. We were incredibly, incredibly tight-knit uh, group. It, it was like high school in its own way, so it had its own cliques and it had all this, but it was at the same time we were being paid to go to high school. It was pretty fantastic. So, That's yeah. awesome. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to mention before we uh, let you go? Uh, you know, I uh, did a film, Casino Jack with Kevin Spacey. I think that's going to be coming out sometime in the autumn. Um, although I, I, I'm a blip on the screen, I just want to uh, promote the movie because it's uh, a friend of mine who produced it, uh, Bill Marks, up in Canada, and it's uh, about the Jack Abramoff scandal that happened in 2005 in Washington, D.C. And I, um, I have a feeling that Spacey's going to uh, get some attention or maybe even an Oscar nod for uh, for this movie. So. I uh, highly recommend that everyone go out to see. And, and there is a, a documentary called Casino Jack, which is about the same subject, but this would be the actual movie. Uh, so that, be sure to, to check that out in theaters. All right? Okay. Awesome. Casino yeah. Jack. And then tomorrow night at uh, 8 p.m. at Joe's Pub? Is that right? 7 p.m. 7 p.m. at Joe's Pub. Uh, tickets can be purchased at the door. No problem getting in. And uh, come and support the development of theater in, in, in New York, you know? Yeah. Great. And what's the name of that show again? It's called Amandine, written by Lance Horn. All right. Awesome. Kristen, thank you so much for calling in. All right, Ryan. You take care. Take care. Bye. Okay. okay. That was uh, Amarika, Olivo, and Christian Campbell. Uh, thank you guys so much for calling in. Um, great guests today. Great show. Uh, you can check out our show at ourhomes.tumblr.com or at uh, blogtalkradio.com slash blazeandrye. We are now actually featured on uh, the Blueberry Podcast uh, Network, too. So let me play that uh, for you here. This podcast is part of the Blueberry Network. You can find this podcast and other podcasts like it at blueberry.com. That's blueberry without the E's. I wanted to mention that... Um, I have a couple shows coming up this month. Uh, the Resignos uh, Variety Show Cabaret will be tomorrow, July 16th, um, starring Paul and Robbie Resigno. And also, uh, I will be beatboxing for them. It'll be at the Duplex. Features Rebecca Wiener, musical direction by Aaron Jadoin, um, plus original music by Michael Hadge and my old buddy Corey Paddock. Um, at the duplex from 9.30 to 10.30 tomorrow. It's a $5 cover, plus a two-drink minimum. Um, so come out, uh, put on your sweater vests, and see the Resignos. Also, there are two hot messes in Manhattan this month uh, that I'll be doing with the lovely Miss Katie Doyle. Um, and come and check that out. It's a uh, hot mess in Manhattan at the duplex. It is... Uh, a Mac Award-winning cabaret directed by Mac and Bistro winner Jonathan Witten um, features Dan Delaney on cello and Vince Peterson on the keys. Uh, I will be beatboxing for Katie, Kate rather, Kate Doyle. Used to call her Katie in college as well. Um, I'll also be rapping with her, so that'll be a lot of fun. And I actually have a little writing credit in this uh, in, this, in the show this time. So I've done the show several times, but uh, never written anything for it before. So should be fun. Coming out to the duplex next three weeks in a row. I'll be there. Um, wanted to announce, uh, the last thing I wanted to announce, I believe, um, since we're running out of time, uh, is my friend Kevin has a band called uh, Shark, with a question mark after it. And if you go to sharkquestionmark.bandcamp.com. Um, it's an up-and-coming Brooklyn band. They're really great. Their new single is called Too Hot for Lips. Um, so check that out. Uh, it's a really fun, really awesome song. And uh, I'm going to uh, debut it here for you. And then we'll, we'll leave you with uh, Amarika's uh, single, Deja Vu. Okay. So here is Shark's new song. Go ahead and purchase the single at sharkquestionmark.bandcamp.com.
Okay, as I said, that was shark uh, with a question mark at the end of it. Um, and as I said before, we will leave you with Amarika Olivo's single called Deja Vu. Thank you, Amarika and Christian, so much for calling in. And we will talk to you next time. Here you go, Deja Vu, making its way up the Billboard dance chart. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Big ups to Amarika Olivo and Christian Campbell. Thank you guys so much for calling in. Thank you, Amarika, for allowing me to close out my show with your song. And as always, thanks for listening, everyone. Take care.